0: Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is a podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. This is a really weird intro to record because I'm recording it over two weeks ahead of time in Freiburg, Germany, in my apartment on my couch. But my couch is being picked up Today and it's the last service that I can really record on without the audio being totally crap plus I need to pack up my microphone because my move is very soon again as of recording but here's the catch by the time you hear this I will have moved finally at long last I'm moving from Germany to Paraguay it's been a little weird moving from a country you're not from to another country so it's taken months of prep and it's it's staying exciting till the very last minute let me tell you But point being, I have to record this quite ahead of time, and so I can't bring too many current events or updates into this episode. What I can tell you is a little bit about the final episode of the season. So the season finale will come out in a week. I can tease it a little bit, yeah. So since I don't even know when, (laughs) I've been recording these sort of like captain's logs, like little voice notes and messages to myself Just capturing how I'm feeling in the moment, what's going on with the move. I think it stretches back to like summer when I was still just like deciding or had recently decided that this was going to (laughs) happen. It's not done. I'm, I'm going to keep recording little updates through these last days in Germany and, and we'll see, but maybe even the first couple moments or days in Paraguay. I, I'm not sure. Honestly, I haven't listened back to any of these messages and I'm a bit self-conscious about the whole thing. Like it just feels weirdly self-involved to share a whole bunch of my inner monologues, but which are outer monologues because I'm recording it into my phone. I don't know. The whole thing feels a little weird, but I feel like it could be interesting. So we're going to find out. Tune in next week for a little glimpse into what it's like to move from a country you're not from to another country you're not from, or at least my experience with that. This week's episode is one I intentionally saved as the penultimate episode of the season. I am hoping that reaches a lot of ears because I think Katarina, our guest, has such good insight and so many wonderful things to say. Katarina is from Ukraine, and she's been living in the Netherlands for about a decade. And our conversation is a mixture of, you know, just talking about normal living abroad things, like figuring out how to get a job in a country you're not from, and like, how do you host dinner parties or friends over? What are the cultural differences there? But we also get into the news out of Ukraine, not just current events, but as Katarina reminds us, this war started almost a decade ago as well. So part of her entire story of being abroad and staying abroad has to do with the Russia-Ukraine conflict and war, which is truly only just coming to a peak now, but has been going on for so much longer. We talk about what that has been like to experience those years where no one else was really like acknowledging or super aware of the fact that this was happening, all the way to this last year, where there are millions of ukrainians seeking safety in other parts of europe including where i live in germany and where katarina lives in the netherlands it's an important conversation it's a good conversation it's a fun conversation and it's a serious conversation all at once we love nuances we love living in the gray so this episode is all of that (laughs) and i really hope that you enjoy
1: I'm uh, Katarina Pidenko. I'm a Ukrainian, born and raised in Kiev, and for the past 10 years I live in the Netherlands. I first moved to Rotterdam, and then uh, to Gouda. Oh, wait, is that... Cheese. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Depending on where you're from, some people call it Gouda. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just thinking I've never
0: heard someone actually pronounce it. I've always just read it and known that i say it wrong <laughs> <laughs> but very cool and um does that mean you have really really good cheese there
1: <laughs> <laughs> well the the cheese is good everywhere in the netherlands it's kind of its thing but in hauda cheese is one of the things we have a cheese market and you mentioned when we were
0: just about to record you mentioned that you also used to live in germany
1: Yes. Actually, it was the first country where I moved abroad. Uh, I did the one-year exchange in Germany during my bachelor's. My best friend and I decided that we really want to have some experience in studying abroad. And we found uh, a program that was offered by our university in Kiev to go to a little town, (laughs) Schmalkalden, in the land Tütengham. The closest, biggest city is Erfurt in Germany.
0: Okay, wow. And Erfurt's also not the biggest place, so...
1: (laughs) No, it it was very small, but it was beautiful. It's a student city, and we met uh, and made friends from people from all over the world uh, in that little schule Schmalkald.
0: And so that was, was that your first experience abroad?
1: Yes, it was eye-opening.
0: Okay, and then you went back to Kiev for a while and then decided to move to the Netherlands?
1: Yeah, it actually was very interesting because before I went to Germany, me and my sister, I have an older sister, I love her dearly, we never thought about studying abroad. Uh, She's one year older, so I kind of follow in her footsteps. We studied at the same university, we did the same bachelor degree. Uh, But I decided to go abroad to Germany. And while I was studying in Germany, I realized I'm going to do my master's in Europe. Definitely. don't know where, don't know how, but it's going to happen. And at the same time, apparently I inspired my sister also to study abroad. And um, she found uh, a degree program in uh, Rotterdam in the Netherlands. So she moved here first. And then when my time came to move abroad, my parents were like, please just go to one same country as your sister. <laughs> so it would be easier to visit. And as a good daughter, you said yes. <laughs> as, a, as a curious mind, I thought I said, I'm going to look into it. <laughs> and if I like it. Yeah. And, and it worked out. It's been the best decision ever.
0: Wow. And then so, I mean, clearly you said 10 years. So you stayed after the program.
1: <laughs> the, this was uh, yeah, I, I don't know kind of like life happened um, so I moved here summer 2013 so it's almost uh, 10 years and um, um, yeah how do I say it uh, the war started so the eight-year war in Ukraine uh, that peaked uh, in 2022 but actually it has been going on uh, since 2014 that was right in the middle of my studies and I remember my mom calling me in the morning and saying well there is military in, uh, in Crimea and by constitution it- it's war. Well that was uh, <laughs> kind of a, sh- a, a big shock and um, that made staying here in the Netherlands a better option. I wouldn't say an easy one the staying and the living by yourself in another country is difficult.
0: Was your sister in Rotterdam still at that point?
1: Yes, she was also studying in Rotterdam. So we were together. It made it easier.
0: Easier, but not easy, I'm sure. Yeah. I think there's maybe sort of two... Themes that we'll get into. And the first one is how there's this sort of coming of age that happens over your 20s. And for you, that's happened all in the Netherlands. So I'd love to hear what comes to your mind when you think about that combination of thoughts being in your 20s and being in the Netherlands.
1: Exciting, full of uh, different experiences. Rotterdam and and, the university where I studied, obviously in English, had uh, mostly international students. If I look back, I made uh, a lot of wonderful connections and friendships, which usually people make best friends uh, at school or in their bachelor's degree. But me leaving all the relationships behind in Ukraine and coming here, starting it from the fresh, it was difficult but so is uh for every international student who came here so it kind of bonded us this challenge of starting your life and you getting to know people and this is also exciting time right so yours it's it's student life and despite studying it's uh, all about uh traveling and uh, experiencing the new country new culture so this, this <laughs> these are the first thoughts that come to my mind
0: as you mentioned, part of your decision to stay in the Netherlands was connected to war in Ukraine already back then. But I mean, I wasn't in Europe at that time. So I don't know, I can't really comment on how the general European or even Western European society was, was viewing that. But I know, by and large, a lot of people weren't really quite aware that that was the case and I'm wondering if how that was that was a huge part and an impact in your life and then you're kind of in this situation in this place where people might not even be aware that that's happening in your home country
1: yeah that was really isolating back then the media presence of what was going on in Ukraine was not strong or at least I didn't experience it uh, strong in the Netherlands There was still the time when people didn't know where exactly Ukraine is on the map. Now people know where is my district in Kiev when I refer to it. (laughs) Last year, the world changed and the awareness about the situation is definitely there now. It was not there 10 years ago. It's also not something that uh, you start a conversation with when you make new friends or uh, when you start a new job. Yeah, it was isolating.
0: It's such a strange situation to, to handle. Because on one hand, of course, it's something you're experiencing actively. And like you say, it's not exactly coffee break chat conversation. So, hey, by the way, what did you do last night? Oh, I sat up worrying about the war that no one else here seems to be aware of is happening. And Yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, I don't know. Were you able to, despite that oddness, were you able to find friendships and community?
1: Uh, yes although now that i look back at it this was not something i was discussing with anyone apart from my family whether because the conversation would start awkwardly like uh, oh is it really happening and why what are you going to do about it and then the conversation turns into a history lesson that that's not the purpose, right? Or at least at that point, uh, it didn't feel like something I want to do and talk about all the time. I think at different stages of life, we deal, uh, people learn to deal with stress differently. At that point, I just didn't talk about it. It didn't prevent me from making great uh, friends, but it did stay within the family circle.
0: What was it like building up your career in the Netherlands? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I actually uh, realized that the company I work for right now, I've been uh, for eight years Wow. with. Yeah, I, I, I tend to, <laughs> I realize I tend to stick to the places if I like them. So 10 years in the Netherlands, eight years in a company. Um, the good thing, and, and that's the difference uh, from my experience when I lived in Germany and from my experience when I live in the Netherlands, if you speak English, you will flourish in the Netherlands. There are a lot of companies that... Attract talent from abroad. Finding a job, yeah, it's a race, it's a game. At the beginning, right after graduation, I think it's a game of numbers. So you just have to really uh, be very proactive. I think getting the first job professionally when you have a degree is always different than getting a first job when you just start working when you are teenager, because you also need to position yourself in a certain professional way and really think about what story and what, uh, what is your story and what qualities you bring to the table. And when this country is not where you grew up in, it's also about learning the culture and what matters and, and how to behave. So for example, in, uh, in Ukraine, when you present the resume, you always list the things that you did at your previous job. And that's the advice my parents would give me like, yeah, this is how you do the resume. While in the Netherlands, it's very important the value you add in your previous job. So it's very important to say exactly what have you accomplished instead of what was your daily responsibility. And the other thing is also cultural um, that I remember very strikingly. I tend to speak in we terms. So we did this and we did that. Like very team dynamic, <laughs> which is different. <laughs> when <laughs> you hear any Dutch person speak, it's all about I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah (laughs) so it's also learning to position yourself from i perspective because i realized when you talk about your accomplishments and you say we you basically wash down the whole you contribution
0: oh that's so interesting so in germany they just use the passive form for almost everything it's oh really yeah 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 so it's so funny to hear you say it wasn't we it was i because i'm always in my work emails going back deleting it and having to rewrite like the whole structure of the sentence instead of saying I did this or we did that or did you do that god forbid that's the worst one saying did you do that because oh, no. that's kind of an, an attack what I should be saying is was this thing done and it, it, it should be clear that um I, I mean from them and I was this always has stood out to me as like this is just so <laughs> odd for me and it changes like the whole feeling of it and it sounds like with this we i thing there it's kind of i mean it's a different iteration but it's a similar shift <laughs> and how is it in america i think it depends on the situation i think often it's we but if you're tr- really you know if it's like a job interview or something then absolutely it's i did that this i did that you kind of have to read the environment like if i was presenting to the company at large, and I kept saying, "I did this, I did this." I think my team would be pissed at me. So it's a bit more fluid. I would, I, I would say, but then again, it's been a while.
1: It does sound a bit more like you're in the Netherlands.
0: Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's all these little nuances, right? I don't know when you when you move abroad young. I guess you don't have that much, or you would think that you don't have that many years of job experience that really has settled into you. Okay, this is how you do this or that. But actually, like just growing up in a culture, you really soak up a lot and then when you all of a sudden have to shift it it's it's so many of these little stumbling moments
1: <laughs> yeah little discoveries right yeah and uh, i think in in the 20s it's still a formation age right uh, for forming yourself as an adult i looking back at myself realized i was very flexible in the culture trying to blend in both at work uh, or, or university and this is the the, the benefit of moving abroad when you are still young.
0: I find even with like making friends or dating, something like that, like those are the things that if you've lived your life in your home country until your teenage years, you probably haven't had to make friends that many times because you probably have a lot of friends from school and then when you move to college, you kind of just get them there automatically almost or like it just kind of happens. But yeah, when you're doing it abroad, you're like, huh, well, I don't really know how this works anyway. So I guess I'll just kind of do what they're doing or I'll do whatever I feel like doing and know that I'm culturally wrong anyway, but I don't care because I know I'm doing it wrong. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Did you have any, like, approaches like that where you were like, ah, well, I can't really figure out how they do it here, so I'm just going to do it my way?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I did. Let me remember a couple of examples. So, for example, when you have your friends over for dinner. In Ukraine, when you invite people for dinner, you really make a big table set up with multiple courses. You spend the whole day cooking. And uh, you clean the whole apartment, right? Because the guests are coming over and you want to present your best. Um, And that was my way of doing things at the beginning. And then the more I was invited to Dutch uh, get-togethers, I realized it's much more chill attitude. So in the Netherlands, it's uh, very nice to have these planks with cheese and chorizo and olives. And then order pizza. And that's perfect because it's so relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just more inviting to 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 you to be part of the conversation instead of you being the hostess. So that's like one of the ways internationals uh, adjust in the Netherlands and actually hear it from more other countries that come to the Netherlands.
0: Man, this sounds more like how I like to host. I'm like, should I be moving <laughs> to the Netherlands? Like a lot of this stuff works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to at least start bringing in the second theme that we are going to be talking about today, which is, I mean, so we've just discussed your experience moving more or less by choice. I mean, essentially at the beginning, definitely by choice. And then you ended up staying there. Maybe the choice factor is a bit more questionable, but that's a different situation, I I think, than many Ukrainians that are moving if we even want to call it moving, I'm not really sure the right verb here.
1: Finding safety.
0: Yeah. Finding safety. That's, that's definitely more fitting. Yeah. And so I don't, I just would love to hear how you've been experiencing these last 12 months or so and, and how you've been relating or finding harder to relate to any friends or family that are now relocating.
1: Um, yeah, well, if you asked me 13 months ago, now let's say, let's start over. If you asked me two years ago, <laughs> what would be my prediction for 2022, that would not be it. Last 12 months were definitely transforming, challenging, eye opening. Definitely priorities shifted um, for many people, especially for me. You suddenly overnight drop the the bullshit <laughs> and certain things become so clear that you think oh my god how could i be blind to that for many people finding safety in europe they had to flee with a backpack into well i want to say nowhere but it's not a nowhere right so into the safety but what does that safety mean uh is a big question mark and that's it's just uncomparable in that matter for when you relocate as an expat or an international student because you go for a purpose and that purpose has bigger why and that why is a better future right so that's why we move for experiences in the last 12 months people who left ukraine and who i met here in europe the beginning was yeah tough and uh, the journey is still tough but many are finding why and uh, many are building life uh, and and finding job and making friendships and connecting and still I think like 99% want to go home despite everything. Yeah, I just want to emphasize once again, it's just, it's really not comparable from the starting point perspective, but also from the journey. Although the challenges of just moving to a new country, no matter what the reason is, is the same, right? The language, the ordinary things, just setting up your life for as as basic as um, getting the mobile provider, getting the transportation card, knowing where is your family doctor. These are all the things that are difficult no matter where you move or why you move. Like you have just to arrange your life. My family uh, moved to the Netherlands last year and I realize how lucky they are that me and my sister are here because we know it. And we've been there and it was stressful when we had to set it up for ourselves. Basically, all the registrations, all the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy is less in the Netherlands. It's more digital, but it's still bureaucracy. <laughs> you can't <laughs> escape
0: it. It's everywhere.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, you, you really have to deal with it. And it's really nice if there is someone who can deal with it for you and... Uh, I'm very happy to arrange that for for my family and uh, for some other people I've been helping. I think also finding a job at at this moment as a Ukrainian, it's easier. You don't require a, a work permit, which is a great initiative from the European Union to allow this temporary protection status to Ukrainians and lift the burden of actually having to apply for a work permit. Which, uh, for me, was a big constraint when finding a job. Maybe some people already know this,
0: but um, Ukraine is not a part of the EU. So a lot of times when people are moving within Europe, it can be easy to assume that, oh, yeah, no one has to worry about work visas because it's all Europe, right? But Europe and EU are two different things. (laughs) Um, And so just a reminder to anyone listening that um, that's, of course, extremely relevant lately
1: you're absolutely right yeah and thank you for that clarification i also forget sometimes that people do require clarification the difference between europe european union and european uh, eurozone (laughs) right (laughs) just to add complexity (laughs) yeah so yeah that's something that you had to kind of work your way through and battle
0: through um but like you were saying that's one of the sort of exceptions made in light of the current situation that ukrainians can can work without the work permit. And I, I think also a lot of the travel restrictions and Yeah, several several of the bureaucratic hurdles that are normally there are for now not there. Though that's always something I sort of wondered. It's like, yeah, okay, so that can be like stated as a policy, but the the bureaucracy runs so deep that even if the technical policy is that the bureaucracy has been lifted, I just Sure, the policy can be one thing, but the experience of walking in and all of the employees knowing what to do and and being prepared and being able to lift the bureaucracy accordingly, it doesn't quite always happen as quickly. And that's just from what I've caught wind of. So I'm wondering, how's that been from your experience? Has this like lifting of some of the bureaucratic hurdles been completely
1: effective, partially effective? (laughs) How would you describe it? Um, I would say that at the beginning... Everyone was lost and confused and didn't know what to do next. Um, and now I'm talking about Dutch government, actually, and all the institutions here. Because they didn't know what will happen next, how long will the war last, and uh, what is expected of them. But pretty fast, and I think I'm saying matter of a couple of weeks, um, they started setting up a lot of relief measures uh, from bureaucratical perspective. So setting up guidances to city halls all different companies and that's the great thing about the Netherlands they are very proactive I think it's just in their culture so a lot of companies immediately also offered same actually as in Germany the Deutsche Bank also was offering free transportation to and from the border and the same thing happened um, in the Netherlands transportation companies were offering free transport if you have Ukrainian passport also, mobile providers were offering free services to contact Ukraine, so no roaming uh, charges. So, and the Netherlands are very, is a very digital country, also very efficient. So, a lot of digital solutions were immediately offered. So, definitely, I see the, the bureaucracy relieved. And <laughs> sometimes it's just also funnily relieved. So, I'm Ukrainian, living 10 years in the Netherlands, and my driving license from Ukraine is not recognized in the EU. I have to do the lessons again, take the exams again, theory, practice, you name it. It's a very long process. So officially, I have a driving license. I can't drive. But everyone who came in the last 12 months to the Netherlands can drive with their driving license. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like one of those gray uh, gray areas where you think, huh, no one thought of that. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You were saying sort of you were trying to organize your thoughts about overall the difference between coming as an expat or an international student versus the current situation having to flee and, and find
1: safety. One of the other similarities is that to feel at home, you have to have your sort of definition of stability. And, and for different people, it, it means different things. So uh, for me, it was really to having this feeling of home where I will have my things. When I just moved to the Netherlands, we rented an apartment and it was fully furnished. And the only thing that was there was our clothes and it never felt like home. So when I bought my first apartment, I got my keys and I remember this feeling entering my apartment and putting the first thing on the kitchen table and that was the electric kettle. And I was like, oh, this is home. And that was like a relief because it's like your roots start to grow again and and that's what a lot of people who have lived their whole life in one place they don't understand the impact of uprooting yourself in your whole life and moving abroad yes it's fun yes it's cool and you are getting a lot of interesting experiences but you're also missing out on a lot like on having your family close by or just the places where you spend most of your lives, just around you, hearing your language, being inside your culture. That's what you get when you get your own home. So when my family uh, first came uh, here last year, they didn't feel at home. They, They felt very distressed and that's what I noticed, like they couldn't relax until they got their own space, like their own place, I mean. And just getting that set up of where you think, okay, yes, my life is different now. Yes, it's not what I planned or not what I wanted. But I have to start building it here. And that starts by setting up your home. <laughs> and now I feel like my family and also people I met last year with the passing of time and with setting up this home, literally physically home, makes it easier, makes it bearable.
0: I think it's, it's also got to be such a strange and difficult situation when like you said earlier I mean a lot of people who have more recently come to as you said seek safety know that they would like to go back to Ukraine but of course no one knows if and when and how and and I mean there's so many like psychological burdens involved in the whole thing but one pretty basic one is just like (sighs) do you Okay, just to pull in an example from a previous um, interview, someone was saying she got a three month contract somewhere. And so she was buying like the smallest olive oil, the smallest soap. And then when she had a longer contract, it was this joy of like, oh, I can buy normal sized things now, you know, and just to extrapolate that onto this scenario. It's like, okay, yes, there's so much vital importance in in being able to create the home. But then if there's this pull or this feeling of like, ah, but I I don't want to put roots down here. I would like to be actually back in my home. uh, That's also got to be really perplexing. Like, do I settle and invest here? Or do I find things that tide me over until I can go?
1: It's a very valid observation. um, My guess would be and until a certain moment, you are kind of hanging in the air. Not knowing, okay, am I, am I staying? Am I going back? What if tomorrow I can go back? That uncertainty is a feeling of being a balloon hanging in the air. But once you make a decision that this is my life for now, so for this moment, for today, the decision is let's settle down. Let's, let's start buying the normal size olive oil. It it kind of takes that decision also to to put some clarity and, and to lift the burden, right? Because hanging as a balloon in the air is is just like weighing heavy on everyday decisions. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I'm thinking like how you said, for, for someone who hasn't left their home, you know, stayed where they are their whole life, it's probably hard to understand a lot of these things. And I, I think these... These questions, they're such persistent ones, and they're so uncomfortable. and you know that that strain that comes from just a sustained period of time of not knowing the culture, the language, not feeling relaxed, not feeling like you know what to predict what comes next. I think those are the things that if you haven't lived somewhere other than where you're from, it's probably hard to understand what that can do to one. Psychologically and in how just exhausting and confusing that can be. And yeah, I imagine that's something that you have in common with the more recent newcomers, but probably in different sort of shades, Um, like maybe the same color, different shades, something like that.
1: Something like that. (laughs) Back in the day, so, (laughs) so, sounds so old. (laughs) So back in 2014, (laughs) I didn't know many Ukrainians. I don't know, I was not very active on social media, but also I was the only one in my study and there were 300 people in my course. So, and I was the only Ukrainian. So there was no Ukrainian communities, but what happened over the last 12 months, we really got strong Ukrainian communities. And this is wonderful. Like I get to know people in the Netherlands. And for me, it just sounds so weird, Uh, like because it's so new. And I think it's really nice development. Let me put it this way, if you don't want to feel lonely, you will not. Because there are so many wonderful people and events and uh, gatherings that offer this sense of community because everyone needs it now.
0: Unfortunately, it is about time to to round the corner and head to home. Um, Before we do that, I just want to say thanks for sharing. It's really interesting to hear about your experiences Hearing like how you navigated these cultural differences in your 20s and then navigating all of this now.
1: Thank you for having me here. It's uh, It's been a pleasure and it was a nice talk. Thank you.
0: So now we will round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So it is a rapid fire question round where you answer three questions uh, without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Ooh. Yes. What is your go to snack of the moment? Nachos. Uh, what is the last thing that you watched that made you laugh?
1: The Office. I'm yes. now at the last season and I'm so sad it's ending because I'm out of sitcoms. I waste them all. <laughs> <laughs> every single one <laughs> i feel like it
0: <laughs> but now you enter that great phase of just go straight back to season one and watch it all over again
1: <laughs> yeah well after friends i'm mm-hmm. uh, i need to re-watch it for the fifth time
0: <laughs> yeah very important <laughs> and finally um what is the last book that you read that you would recommend
1: um it's called keyword about mind-body connection and um, about miracle recoveries, miracle recoveries. Ooh. Yeah, I actually think everyone should read it. So whoever is listening, please read it.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. I have to say, I think you were maybe the the fastest of... Any guest, I'm I'm gonna say it. It's been a, well over a hundred now, 150 or something. You were extraordinarily fast with your XXX. So very well done.
1: <laughs> I loved the questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, one last big thank you for coming on the show. It was I, I truly was surprised when I looked at the clock and saw that I we have to wrap things up because this absolutely flew by.
1: It felt the same for me. Thank you, Nicole.
0: Thanks one more time to Katarina for coming onto the show. You can make sure you are subscribed to the show on your podcast app of choice. You can follow me on Instagram at The and you can visit me online at theexpodcast.com. As always, I'm grateful for any ratings and reviews that you can leave this show. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or a couple other platforms. If you're not an Apple user, I've linked to those in the show notes. As always, I want to thank Amy Lungi Art for the logo. She's on Instagram with her floral business, at waxwainbk. And thank you to Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with the season finale, as established, some kind of bizarro Captain vlog of my experience, (laughs) preparing to and then doing it, moving from Germany to Paraguay. Till then, have a wonderful week. Bis dann. Tschüss.